there on Sunday mornings, but uh, for the most part, we try to reach out on Sundays, but on Wednesday nights for the believer, it's uh, another time. Now, it's all right for somebody to come up that's not a believer on Wednesday night and receive the word of the Lord. That's wonderful. Anytime's a good time to receive the word, right? But for the most part, we go deeper into God's word on Wednesday nights, and and I just want to do a little more teaching maybe than preaching tonight, but um, I just want your hearts to be open. I want to give you a, a true picture of pure grace tonight, a true picture of pure grace. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 21, just one portion of scripture there uh, to lay a foundation, and then we'll begin there tonight. It says in Genesis 3, in verse 21, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Amen. Uh, Unto Adam and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. As a leader, I have come to an understanding that uh, you can't make people passionate about God. It is my job to speak to destiny that is inside of a person. In other words, uh, the people have to have something in them for there to be a working going on. Amen. If it isn't on the inside of them, then it will uh, manifest on the outside. And so we have to understand that there has to be something on the inside for a person to be passionate about the things of God. There has to be a hunger on the inside. We can't separate Jesus from grace. Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a teaching. Grace is a person, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And so when we preach grace, we are lifting up Jesus. When we preach grace... God will draw people to himself. If we don't preach grace, it will keep people from coming to God. Amen. People who read the Old Testament for the first time probably wonder to themselves, what in the world is the slaughtering of all these animals about? What is all of this talking about? But you see, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. There is no forgiving of sins. And so when we understand this, it causes us to appreciate the value of the blood of Jesus Christ. I may understand tonight that the blood of Jesus has great value. Amen. It is still reaching people today. It is still delivering people today. It is still saving people today. It is still healing people today. And I thank God for the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? After Adam and Eve sinned, God made covering of skin or coats for them to clothe them. The first uh, animal that was ever sacrificed was to cover man's sin, that he, what he did in the Garden of Eden. And we know that all animals sacrificed in the Old Testament are copies or their types or shadows of Jesus Christ. The blood of bulls and goats under the Old Covenant all point uh, to the sub, uh, substance of Jesus Christ. 
whose blood was shed for us on the cross of Calvary, that whosoever would call on his name would be saved. Amen. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, John the Baptist declared uh, about Jesus. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep not, behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed and opened the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof, and behold... And lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and the midst of the elders stood the lamb as it was slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into the earth. Everyone in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, points to Jesus' death on the cross. Are you walking with me? There's a whole lot of people that are making a whole lot of money, and I'm not going to get on no horses and ride tonight, but talking about all of the book of Revelation. And some people call it Revelations, but it isn't Revelations, it is Revelation. And it tells us, you know, people like to get all mystical about the book of Revelation, but all you have to do is read chapter 1 and verse 1, and it'll tell you what the book's all about. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so it is him being revealed. And even though that we may not have all the answers and all of the concepts here tonight, we do know that it was a revelation of Jesus Christ being revealed unto us. And so it isn't no spooky thing. It isn't no mystical thing. Even though there's a lot of shadows and types and metaphors there, it is to speak to us about Jesus Christ. And so the old covenant as well was to talk about foreshadowing and shadows and types of Jesus that would come to redeem us. Uh, The old covenant would cause you to look at yourself. But the new covenant was for us to turn and look to Christ who was crucified. The old covenant keeps you focused on yourself while the new covenant keeps you focused on Christ. The Old Testament tells you what is wrong with you while the New Testament tells you what is right with you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are a a Christian tonight, if you are a child of God, then you need to understand that you need to give yourself some credit because of the finished work of Calvary and because you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're no longer a wretched worm, you're no longer uh, down and out, but you are of royalty and you are of the priesthood of the body of believers, amen? And so the cross made the difference. I said the cross made the difference. It's what changed us. The first miracle that Moses did, Moses represented the law. The first thing, a miracle that he did was turn the water into blood, which results in death. The first miracle that Jesus did, representing grace, was turning the water into wine, which was uh, resulted in a celebration and a life. Amen. It was at the wedding. It was a union. The law uh, kills, but the spirit gives life. And when God blessed Abraham, he made a covenant with him. And he did not base the Abrahamic covenant upon Abraham being good or obedient. The Bible says that Abraham was a pagan. Do I got any Bible readers here tonight? 
He was a pagan. Abraham was not blessed because he obeyed the law. He was not blessed because that he did good things. He was blessed because God was good. And God was gracious. The law had not yet been given yet, right? But when God liberated the children of Israel from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, he did not, he did not do so because they kept the Ten Commandments. He did not do so because they kept the law, because the Ten Commandments had not been given yet. But the children of Israel came out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody. And if we're going to accomplish anything uh, for the cause of Christ, we're going to do it because of the blood of the Lamb of God. God brought them out by His grace. He brought them out because, amen, He heard their cry. The, the Bible tells us that not one single Israelite died during the period, although they murmured and complained against God. Right? This is a picture of grace of God. From the time they left Egypt until the time they crossed over the Red Sea, not one of them died. Not one of them were sick. Not one of them's clothes wore out. Now, I like the not dying and, 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 and not getting sick, but I'd sure give, give, give some more praise if a clothes, we didn't have to buy them so often. I'm just saying. But all of that time, right, they just kept on and nothing wore out. It's a miracle. It was amazing. But you see, it was a picture of grace because they came out of Egypt and nobody died between Egypt and the Red Sea. Amen. And I want you to know that no, not one of them died before the law was given. Are you walking with me? But God rescued the children of Israel from their Egypt slave masters and performed great uh, signs and wonders among them. And they still failed to honor God. They still continued to complain and murmur over and over again. And when the Egyptians' army came uh, thundering uh, behind them, and we see the Red Sea was before them, the children of Israel cried out to Moses and said, Because there was no graves in Egypt, have you brought us away out here in the wilderness for us to die? Amen. How many uh, understand that it is a complaint against God? They were murmuring. How many understand that murmuring and complaining are sins? Yes. But what God's, what was God's response? He opened up the Red Sea so they could cross over on dry land. Amen. He saved them from their enemies. This is a picture of grace. After God brought them safely to the other side of the Red Sea, they murmured and their complaining continued. And at Marah, the Bible said they complained because the water was bitter. And what did God do? He turned the water, amen, uh, brought water out of a rock. They still complained, right? When there is no water, they cried out. And they, or, excuse me, they said that they were hungry in the wilderness. And so what did God do? He showers down manna from heaven. 
And even though the children of Israel complained and murmured, still he demonstrated his favor and his blessing to them. Why? Because during that period, the and blessing and provision that they received was not dependent upon their obedience, but it was dependent upon God's being good, that God being uh, faithful, amen. And they were depending on God's goodness and his faithfulness to the covenant that he had made. And he made that a covenant with Abraham. And remember, God told Abraham, he said that his people should not go or should go into bondage, but he would bring them out. And if they would just depend upon the grace of God, when we depend on God and his grace, it will cause the blessing of God to be attracted to our life. Amen. We know that grace of God is empowers. We know that God's grace equips us. We know that uh, we, we are all dependent upon the grace of God because not one of us are able to keep the law. Not one of us. Amen. The children of Israel were being blessed by God based upon his goodness. But in Exodus chapter 19, in verse 8, they told Moses that they could do everything that God had spoken. Some scholars believe that this statement was a statement of pride. In other words, what they were saying is that there isn't anything that God is doing that we couldn't do for ourselves. Are you walking with me? So up until this point, God was with them and had fought for them. He opened the Red Sea. He rains down manna. He brings water out of a rock. But they keep on murmuring and complaining. But the moment the covenant changed from the Abrahamic covenant to the covenant based on the law of God, uh, God said, whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Before this time, there was no death. Everything changed at that point. On that day that law was given, 3,000 people died. We have to be careful not to depend upon our own strength and our own ability. We have to be careful to be, uh, understand that we are, do not have the ability within ourselves, but in Him we live, in Him we move, and in Him we have our very being. And we must put our trust and our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This, this is what we call self-righteousness. From this moment on, Israel obeyed and their blessing was dependent upon them being obedient. Right? Now it shifts. And now they're living under the law. They have to obey the Ten Commandments perfectly. And if they do not obey one of them, then it's likened to all of them being broken. Mm. Somebody ought to thank God for some grace. Amen. James chapter 2 and verse 10, you can look, you can remember, they said they would do all that God speaks. As soon as the law was given, the works of the flesh started manifesting. They broke their first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And what did they do? As soon as God didn't move as quick as they thought he ought to move. They run over there and got all the jewelry together, melted it down and made them a calf to sit there and worship. Amen. 
You see, I want to tell you, you've got to be careful because you think that we can do it within ourselves. But the Bible said that our righteousness as at best is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Amen. We cannot do it within ourselves. If we boast at all, let us boast in the glory of God. If we boast at all, let us boast in his grace and his mercy that he has given us and blessed us with. Amen. You see, before Sinai, no one died. After Sinai, the moment they murmured, they died. It's over. Don't you know that stops some murmuring? That stops some complaining. Before Sinai, the blessing was given to them in spite of themselves. After the covenant of the law, sin had to be punished. Their blessing and their provisions no longer depended upon the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. But under the covenant of the law, their blessing depended upon perfect obedience. Amen. Every failure and sin would result in judgment and punishment. This is why the law of Moses is called the ministry of death and condemnation. It is an inflexible standard that has been given to them to minister death and condemnation to the Israelites whenever they sin. This is why it is so hard for there to be intimacy under the old covenant. To have a relationship under the old covenant. You can think that after 2,000 years, people would learn that, there is, uh, that we are, to be, as believers today, that we are not to brag on how good we are, but that we are to brag on how good God is living on the inside of us. Amen. Not on our works, not under the law, but under the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. The journey from Egypt to Sinai was a picture of pure grace. It was not dependent on their goodness, but his goodness. We're going back somewhere now. We're going back to like it was in the garden, right? Where they weren't dependent upon their goodness. It was, it was no, not uh, their faithfulness, but his faithfulness. Why? They were not under the law yet. God, uh, the good news of God is that we are no longer under the old covenant. We are no longer under the law. We have been delivered from the law through Jesus' death and the cross. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, we are now in a new covenant. And the Hebrews said it's a better thing. Amen. It's better than the law. The book of Titus says it is the grace of God that causes us to deny goodness and worldly lust. It is not about how good we are, but it's about how good God is working in us. And when we receive who God is, it causes us to be good. Amen. Why are there believers today live as though the cross did not make a difference? Why is it that, that we act as though that there is no difference since we went to Calvary? Amen. Instead of enjoying the new covenant... Of grace, we keep ourselves beat down under this old covenant, this old law. Amen. But the cross did make a difference. The cross did change everything. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And if you are trying to live under the law, you need to know tonight that it is the grace of God that leads a man to repentance. 
It is the grace of God and His unmerited favor that shows His love in our life that causes other people to want to serve the God that we are serving. Amen? The Old Covenant in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7, it said, by no means is uh, clearing the guilty. It said, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Right? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children's children until the third and the fourth generation. That means that if you sinned, not only was it to your account, but it was to your children's account and their children's account and their children's children's account. Sin followed generation after generation. But thank God for the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 8. In verse 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he that made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Amen. Hebrews, uh, in verse, uh, see, verse 17, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. In other words, he said this new, under the old covenant, it was put upon you and your children and your children's children's children. But he said this new covenant has come and has caused the old to wax away, to decay. And he says, but now I'm bringing a new covenant where that when you ask for forgiveness of sin, it doesn't uh, come up on your account anymore. It doesn't even think about going to your children, let alone your children's children. But God says, I'm giving you a, a grace. I'm giving you a mercy that when you call upon my name, he says, I forgive that sin. And there is no more offering that can be given for that. In other words, once you ask Jesus to forgive you, there's nothing else can take. You don't go back and ask him again and again. It's done, baby. It's over. The blood of Jesus has washed it away. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for that covenant that we have today. What is the difference? It is the same God speaking. What happened? The cross happened. The cross happened. Under the old covenant, he says, you want to to do it yourself, you want to be self-righteous, then I'll give you these Ten Commandments that will be given to you, which will be a schoolmaster that will show you that you sin, show you that you're not all of that. But he said, that's not my way, that's not my desire. He said, I want you to live like you lived in the garden. I want you to live under my grace. I don't want you to live under law and condemnation, but I want you to be blessed, praise God. And so he sent his son, the same God, sent his son to die upon the cross and so that I can have life and have it more abundantly. So that I can cry and say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I believe that you're the son of God, that you died upon the cross. And because you live, I can live also. And the Bible said, if I have that godly sorrow and confess my sins unto him, he said he would in no wise cast me out. And so therefore my 
sin is gone. And because of that, I stand not in my own ability, but I stand in his grace and his mercy, complete and whole. And the past is not remembered anymore. Amen. I'm not insisting tonight there is something wrong with the law. There is nothing wrong with the law. Amen. But Romans 7 and 7 said it is through the law that we have the knowledge of sin, but it is all, all but it is is all that the law can do. It can bring you to a knowledge of sin. It can expose your sin, but it cannot cover your sin. It cannot cleanse your sin. It cannot remove your sin. Are you with me? The law was designed to bring us to the end of ourself. To make you realize you can't live it. Amen. The law is designed to show us that we, what we do, we do because we need Jesus in our life. Amen. And while the law is holy, just, and good, it has no power to make you holy, just, or good. Only Jesus' grace. Amen. Only his splendor of his love. Amen. Can make you holy, can make you good, and can make you just. Amen. His blood has already made you holy. His blood has already made you righteous and made you pure. Amen. There, we can't merit that. It is his righteousness that he gives to us. And so we thank him tonight that it's not about the, the, all of the law and trying to do good. But God did this by sending his own son condemned on our behalf so that we would not have to die. But because he died, we can live. Amen. Not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of God. And that is our position today. That is where I stand today. I stand in the righteousness of God. Why? Not because I'm all of that, but because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. Hebrews 8 and 13 said, In that he saith the new covenant, that he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old, is ready to vanish away. Amen. So he's saying, stop holding on and fighting for something which the Bible declares is an obstacle to you. There's some places you go, they'll beat you to death. Condemnation. Beat you to death with all kinds of, of stuff. But I want to tell you tonight that that's not God. Amen? That's not God. Yes, we live above reproach. Yes, we live godly. Yes, we do our best to live according to the standard of God's holy word. But I'm telling you today that there's a whole lot of folks that's been beat nearly to death by, by a Pharisaic spirit and a religious spirit that is in the church today. Amen. And it's time for that thing to be exposed and cause people to realize there ain't nobody on the face of this earth that can live up under the law. If they could have, Jesus would have never had to come. But because we could not do it, he sent his son to die as a lamb that you and I could have life and enjoy life more abundantly. Amen. And so the law condemns the best of us. Even David was condemned under the law. 
The law condemns the best of us, but grace saves the worst of us. Did you hear what I said? The law condemns the best of us, but grace saves the worst of us. And so we need to rest in that tonight. Under the law, if you broke one, you were guilty of it all. But by the same token, under grace, you do the right thing and then you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he says he justifies you from all. Amen? Acts 13 and 39. And some people want to make the Christian life so that no one can ever get close to God. They're constantly telling you how bad you are. How God is not going to accept you and he's not going to do anything for you. They're quick to point out everything that's wrong with you that disqualifies you from the things of God and what he has in store for you. I want them people to explain David to me. I want that. Because David was jacked up. Now, he loved God, right? Can we all agree about that? He loved God, but he didn't have it all going on. I mean, he was, he, he was a murderer. He, he, he committed adultery. He didn't always make the right decisions. But yet, God's testimony of David is, he's a man after my heart. Not that he had, was doing the heart of God. But he was seeking after me. He's pursuing after me. He's desiring me. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you tonight that none of us are perfect. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't, we don't say, well, it's all right to go sin and do whatever you want to do. No. But I want to tell you what it is, is on this journey that we're on, on our way in this process called life, that God can use us while we're in the midst of our imperfection. That while we are on our journey seeking and pursuing after God, He still loves us enough that His Holy Spirit will minister not only to us, but minister through us. Amen. This, this type of thing is why people read the Bible and disqualify themselves. This type of thinking is why some people won't pray. It's the reason why some people won't attend church. How many understand that... We don't read our Bible, we don't pray, we don't go to church in order to qualify us. Amen? Jesus already qualified us by shedding his blood upon Calvary's cross. I read my Bible because it's a love message to me. I pray because it's my time of relationship and I'm in love with somebody and I want to know what's on their heart. And, and it's not, it isn't a, a hard thing for me. It isn't a difficult thing for me. Do I always uh, get up and say, oh, I think I'll pray six hours today? No, but I want to tell you it is an honor. Sometimes I have to push stuff out of my way just to get into that time. But it is the time that I love him. It's not because I say, if I don't spend an hour with him, he going to shoot me you know if I don't if I don't read my Bible six chapters of my Bible uh, something bad gonna happen today I don't have that condemnation upon me it's a joy that I can read his love story to me and let it become real in my life 
It is an honor and a joy that I can go and have time with him and commune with him and have fellowship with him that he becomes real and I can begin to hear his voice and hear his heart. If you don't ever spend time with somebody, how are you going to know who they really are? How are you going to know their heart? But you know your spouse because you spend time with them. You communicate with them. And after a while, you can finish sentences for them. All you have to do is that certain look and and you know what they're going to do. You know what they want to do, right? You don't have to verbally. You can just look across the room and say, that's what we need. Yeah. Why? Because we have that heart. We've spent time with one another. It's not, 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 you know, rules and regulations. And if I don't, God isn't going to do this. And not going. It's because I get to spend time with him. And I want a relationship with him. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll start saying, well, you know what? I didn't do this right. And I didn't do that right. And, and I've done this. And I shouldn't have said that. And, and we'll say, well, God don't want me to come. But what I learned about David is this. That even in his imperfection and even in his sin, he would go into the presence of God in worship. But when he came out, he didn't come out the same David that he went in. He came out changed by the power of God. And I want to tell you tonight that whenever we go in, we may not go in. We may come into the house of God with with impure hearts. We may come in with uh, motives that aren't right. We may come in with attitudes that need adjusted. But if we can just get in to the presence of the Lord, amen, and have relationship with him, he can change everything that's wrong and make it right. Amen. Colossians 1 and 12 said, It is the Father who has qualified us, and He has qualified us by sending His Son to save us. He has qualified us by being partakers of His favor. Amen? Healing, prosperity, love, joy, peace, and well-being in our families. All of this comes because we have been partakers of Christ. Joy and peace are the trademarks of the kingdom of God. God is not the author of confusion. He calls his people out of confusion into his marvelous life. What produces more peace and joy in your life? Hearing that God is mad at you and wants to take you out. Or that God loves you unconditionally. And there isn't nothing that you can do tonight that will make God love you any more than he loves you right now. And there is nothing that you can do that will cause God not to love you any less than he does right now. Because he loves you unconditionally. Amen. And he wants the best for your life. Do you think that God would send his son to the earth to pay the awful price that he would die as a lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world so that he could drag you through life backwards? So he would get a hold of you and say, well, let's just see how much they can take and see if they'll break. No, if he wanted to do that, he'd have never sent his son. 
but he sent his son because he wants you to be qualified for his blessing and his favor. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? And so what produces more peace and joy in your life? Hearing that God's mad and wants to get back at you? Or hearing that God loves you and he sent his son to die specifically for you? That you might be qualified for the blessings of God in your life. What qualifies you? What qualifies me? Not that, that I've done right. Not that I've done all of these good things or I have these attributes. But it's because I have accepted Jesus as my personal Savior that qualifies me for all the things that pertain to life and godliness through and by Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen? The Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen? I've had people tell me, well, you need to preach more on hell. Hell. Well, people know they're going to hell. What they need to know is how not to go to hell. Amen? My kids, and I can only speak about my kids, but my kids, whenever, as they were growing up, they didn't have to get very old before you knew they hadn't done something right. I didn't have to tell them, Jordan, you didn't do something. He knew he was wrong. And you know what he'd do? He'd come and tell his mama. He'd never come tell me. He'd come tell his mama. He still does that. Now, Destiny, she is a little different. But when something got wrong with her, she didn't come and tell us, but she'd go hide. Are you with me? People don't have to be too sharp upstairs to figure out they're sinning. They don't have to be too sharp and have a whole lot going for them to know that they are not right with God. They know they're not right with God. What they need to know is that God has grace available for them. What they need to know is you don't have to die in your sin and go to hell. But that there has already been provided a way that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Amen. Not only in salvation, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to share this. It's been in my heart for some time, but... I feel like now is the season to release it. But I, I want to speak to you. You say, well, this is believers. Well, I want to speak to you as the body of Christ and, let, and say to you, and you hear me as pastor tonight, that, that because of the grace of God, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's time for us as a body of Christ that have accepted God's grace and mercy into our life to stand up and, and quit walking around like a wretched worm and a vagabond and, and saying, oh, I'm nothing. Uh, yes, you are something. You are something because God has saved you and redeemed you, purchased you by the blood, and that's made you something, glory to God. That's made you righteous. That's made you pure. That's made you holy. That's made royalty flow into your 
veins. You're a partaker of his divine nature. You're complete in him. You're a chosen one, a called out one, a redeemed one. Royal blood is in your veins. You are somebody special because of the finished work that Jesus did on Calvary. And I thank God for his grace. Amen. Come on and praise him tonight. I can't stand up and tell you that I'm all of that because I'm not. Neither can you. But I can tell you that I am who I am because of the righteousness of God. And I don't stand in shame. I don't stand with my head down. I stand tall in His righteousness, in His grace, in His peace. Amen. It had not been for the Lord on my side. My enemies would have already taken me out. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Amen. I've probably told you before, but I just reinstated here tonight. I've preached on platforms that I was not worthy to stand upon. Been honored to preach in camp meetings and on this East Coast. I've been, I've preached to twenty thousand people. I've seen five thousand, over five thousand people filled with the Holy Spirit at one time. I've seen the blessings of God. I've seen thousands of people come into the kingdom in a moment's time. I've seen it, and I'm grateful and I'm honored to be able to say that I've seen that. I've preached to 20,000 and I've also preached to three. And two of them were asleep. Honest to God. Drove an hour and a half, got there, and uh, they had Sunday school. And I guess they looked at that young preacher and said, He ain't got nothing to tell us. And all of them left but three. Two of them were asleep. So I just preached that one. I tell you tonight. Anybody can preach to 20,000, but it takes a preacher to preach to three and two of them to sleep. <laughs> Amen. But listen to me. I'm kind of being humorous. But mom and dad are here tonight. They can tell you. I was one of the most backward person that you've ever met. I still, I'm not no extrovert. People misunderstand who I am, but they can tell you. Whenever I was evangelizing, people didn't get me because they thought I was wonderful. They asked me to come because God was using me. And people thought that I was arrogant. They took me, my backwardness and not talking a lot, they took it as arrogance because they didn't know my heart. But I want to say this. I, I didn't come and didn't start pastoring because I had all this charisma and I wanted people to see it and thought, you know what, I can do this. I did it because there was a call of God on my life and the call of God on my life was direct opposite to the thing that my flesh was fighting and struggling with. And I want to say to somebody here tonight that your strength will always come out of your weakness. And the enemy wants to stop you. The enemy wants to hinder you. 
And the reality is that the devil has more faith and confidence in you than you've got in yourself. And that's the reason why even in an early age, some of you, the enemy came into your life while you was young and started sabotaging you. And sabotaging your life and, and, and causing things to go wrong in your life. It was a, 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 a marriage that your parents were divorced. It was somebody that abused you. It was negative words that were spoken over your life. And don't you know it was meant to kill you and cause you to never give up out of, get up out of that pain. But I want to tell you tonight, it's not because of the, that everything went right in your life. It's not because you got it all figured out. But it's because Jesus came and died upon the cross that set you free, even from the things that the devil tried to sabotage you and make you feel like God didn't care, God didn't love you. If God did, he would have never let. But I want to tell you, the devil is a liar. And the grace of God supersedes everything the enemy has ever tried to do against you in your life. Amen. Ha, ha. Praise God. I'm telling you, I know we ain't hanging from the chandeliers, but I feel an anointing up in here tonight. Amen. God wants us to embrace the grace, his mercy, and understand tonight that he really does love us. I said he really does love us. And he wants the best for our life. Even when the enemy tries to to bring it against you for evil. God said, I'll turn it around and use it for your good. Amen. The answer is the finished work of Jesus. The answer is finding his grace. Not in me. Not in you. But in the finished work of Calvary. That I can stand complete in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight. Has this helped anybody tonight? Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence tonight.